This is the Shape America podcast, hosted by Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029. I'm Colin Brooks. And I'm Stephanie Sandino. And we're the host of the Shape America podcast. And uh, we've got uh, an amazing guest today. And we'll introduce him in just a second. We'll kind of keep it a little secretive as of right now. But, uh, you know, just wanted to thank our listeners for tuning in and, um, you know, learning along with us as, again, as, as you always do. And we just appreciate that. And, you know, you guys being here with us and, and everything else. So, uh, We've been listening to quite a few other podcasts uh, as our hosts and things like that. And um, Colin really got me introduced into something called How I Built This. You, you like that podcast, don't you, Colin? I do. Yeah, it's my definitely my favorite podca- podcast. It's something, you know, it's uh, it's a great podcast about entrepreneurs and how they, how you know, kind of their story about how they started their business or how they started their lives, essentially, and where they are now, and um, just all the the setbacks and the perseverance that goes into that. So it's a it's a wonderful podcast, and there's quite a few episodes out right now. So if you haven't, you should check it out. Yeah, you kind of got me hooked, and and uh, as I've started to listen, I'm like, boy, this is a cool narrative, and I'm like, I feel like we could do this, you know, for health and PE too. So we kind of came up as a team and. Uh, we've got a new series set up and, uh, we're calling it building an HP dynasty, um, which again, we're just kind of looking at that, that backstory into what and how, you know, those programs, um, and all those other events and things like that are built and, and, and things that really can lead into that great, um, health quality, health and physical education program. So, uh, that's kind of little, our little backstory here. I am hanging out, or we're all hanging out in this room with uh, Tim McCord. And Tim uh, has had an outstanding program, which still lives on today. And we'll, we'll get to that at some point in time, uh, in Titusville, Pennsylvania. And um, his school was lucky enough to be featured in the Spark Book, um, which is pretty amazing. But, um, you know, as we got reading and looking into some of those programs that were out there Tim was just one of those educators that we said, we need to find out a whole lot more about how this was built. So, Tim, we appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us and everyone out there listening today. So thank you and welcome. Well, thanks so much, uh, Matt and Colin and Stephanie. I I really appreciate you inviting me to be on this podcast. It's quite an honor uh, for me to be involved with this and uh, more than happy to do it. Well, Tim, you just want to tell us a little story um, just again uh, about Titusville, about... um, how long you taught there? Um, just a few of those details so we know wh- where Tim's kind of coming. Sure. T- Titusville, Pennsylvania is a, is a pretty small community, less than uh, 6,000 people. Its claim to fame is that uh, the, the very first oil well in uh, history uh, by Colonel Edwin Drake was, was drilled here in Titusville. So uh, if the gas prices keep getting higher and higher, then I guess you can blame Titusville for that. Uh, the second claim to fame is that uh, John Heisman of Heisman Trophy fame, which just, just happened here yesterday, the, the uh, naming of the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, he was a graduate of Titusville High School. So uh, we, we do have some, some great history here in our community. 
Uh, and I was fortunate to come here uh, back in 1978 uh, straight from Slippery Rock University. Uh, my original plan was to get into athletic training. I thought that that would be the, uh, uh, that was something I was uh, extremely interested in. Uh, but I discovered once I got into it that not many school districts at, at that time uh, were hiring athletic trainers. And I needed to make myself a little bit more marketable. And so I took a double major and went into physical education. Little did I know then that that would become my, my first love. And, and teaching was something I really enjoyed. And, and so I dropped the athletic training and... Um, the rest is history, so to speak. Uh, I left I, I left Slippery Rock University and uh, ended up at the Titusville School District right after college. Uh, I was very fortunate to find a job immediately. And for 34 years, I, I stayed in the Titusville School District with about my last 15 or 16 as the uh, physical education department chair. All right. Uh, good little history there. So, all right, back in college then, like what was, what was that driving force that kind of like made you change from athletic training to PE? Like, what was it? What was that spark? What was that interest? Uh, I, th I think the main thing is I found that I liked, uh, I liked being involved with, with kids. Uh, I, I, I guess probably I'd have to admit that my number one thing was I wanted to get into coaching. Uh, I kind of had things a little bit backwards in my mind, but that happens to a lot of people that get into the field of physical education. It, it, you know, they start out being a coach and that's what's important. And that was for me, too. I mean, I spent quite a bit of time in the basketball program, including five years as a, as a head coach. And I spent 32 years as the head golf coach here in Titusville. So that, that was my main emphasis. But as time evolved, uh, the, the teaching became my number one passion. So when you when you started to develop your, your physical education program and you started to get into it, you started to find, obviously, more passion in it. Um, so tell us a little bit about the kind of the early days of your, your physical education program and everything, you know, that's awesome that you were in your district for 34 years. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, it, uh, our, our program in Titusville, and, and, and let me go back to uh, my days at Slippery Rock University. Uh, in, in those days, physical education programs at the university level, uh, the emphasis was upon learning how to teach sports skills to students. Um, that, that was the main driving force for, uh, universities and state colleges that had physical education programs. When I came to Titusville, it was very traditional here. Uh, and, and, and that was my background was to be traditional like that. Uh, you know, in the fall, you played touch football. In the wintertime, you played basketball. In the spring, it was softball and track and field, and you made sure you did those things. And I, and I was told when I came to Titusville, uh, my boss was uh, both an athletic director and the health and physical education department chair. And, and I was sat down and, and I was told that part of my job and a major part of my job was to determine in my classes who were the best athletes and then I should steer them towards the athletic teams. So it was very, very traditional in those days. So I guess looking at that, like, you know, what was it like there? What was it like there for students? What was it like there for you? I mean, were you were you comfortable with all that? Like, were you happy with all that? And maybe like how or what did you want to change um, if you started to wanted to see that change? Well, I guess the, the correct word would be that I was comfortable with that. I, I, I was able to go in and teach uh, sports skills uh, 
team sport activities. I was able to do that very easily. I was comfortable with it. Um, I can't say I was excited about it. Uh, I really wasn't. But at that particular time, um, I, I guess to say, I, I didn't know any different. I just didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. Uh, I, I thought that that was the way to do things. But to be quite honest, I, I could have been comfortable my entire career had I done it like that. And um, I don't know that I would have been happy. I know that I was not passionate about it. But, uh, I mean, I, I could have continued throughout my career. I just, I fear that had I done that, though, I would have ended my career like, like some other teachers do in that they, they're, they're bored and they, are, uh, they finish up their careers in a, in a, with a negative attitude. And that was something I did not want to have happen to me. So, Tim, um, how, when did you see a shift in your physical education program? When did that all begin? Probably around 1998. Um, I, was, uh, I was named the department chair, not because I wanted it. Uh, no, nobody wanted to be the department chair. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and um, what happened was I was there the longest at that time. I, not that I was the oldest one, but I had been there the longest in, in Titusville. And uh, my principal at the time said, we really want you to do this. And so I had to meet with a superintendent and a superintendent told me that um, we don't care what you do. I'm not going to give you a specific direction, but we think that the health and physical education department needs to change. It has to change. But I was given no specific direction. So what, what we did as a department, we began to do a little self-examination. And what we decided was that we wanted to be a more fitness-oriented program. That, that was a pretty narrow goal, but that was it for us at that particular time. We wanted, we wanted to really focus on fitness. So, so what we did was we started to look around our area, uh, you know, around Titusville, around parts of Pennsylvania, and we tried to find other physical education programs that were fitness-oriented programs. And to be quite honest with you, our efforts were fruitless. We could not find one in our area. And then um, keeping in mind that at this time, you know, I, I had been teaching since uh, early 1979, and now we're up to 1998. For the first time in my career, I was given permission to attend a Pennsylvania AFER convention. Uh, I just, I was not permitted to go. I could go to a coaching clinic anywhere in the country, <laughs> but I was not permitted to go to, to a state AFER convention. And so um, at, that, at that particular convention, um, things started to happen. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough, I sat, I sat through a, um, a session that talked about usage of heart rate monitors. And I, I was truly interested. I didn't even know what a heart rate monitor was, but I was interested in finding out what was the deal with heart rate monitors because basically there were only a couple of schools in the country that were using those. And, and, and I knew it could be a fitness tool, but I didn't know what to do with it. But even better than that, at that um, convention, the person that was doing the presentation talked about a physical education program 
at Madison Junior High School in Naperville, Illinois, in a gentleman by the name of Phil Lawler. And in my notes, I wrote that down. And, and, and I made, made it my mission that I was going to figure out a way to contact Phil Lawler. And, uh, and, and people listening to this podcast are going to laugh saying, well, what do you mean? How to contact Phil Lawler? Um, I didn't have a computer in school at that time. I didn't know how to use a computer. I did. Uh, there was no email. I didn't have email. But uh, so I had to make a phone call to find out who, who Phil Lawler was. So so it, it was. I don't know if it was Kismet or or whatever it was. But going to that state A for convention here in Pennsylvania was a tipping point for us in Titusville. So before we, you know, kind of dive deep into Naperville, because we know that's going to be a big part of this story. Um, like, were you a part of the state, state association before that? Uh, were you part of AFERD? I believe it would have been at the time or NASPY. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, and did you did you just had to did you just have to turn down those other opportunities to go to those conferences or uh, what was your professional life, I guess, like before that point? I had no professional life as far as professional development. Uh, no, I was not a member. Uh, my school district, uh, upon joining, or excuse me, upon uh, asking about going to that convention, they paid for a um, an AFERD membership for our department. So one person from the department at a time could go. And, and as I said, that was the first one I attended. But as far as professional development before that, it was uh, non-existent. It's just wild to hear how, you know, what that, that one conference does, you know, when you when you uh, get into a room or a conference of other like minded individuals and, you know, and just all of a sudden these ideas sparked. And, and it's just it's really interesting to hear how that one thing led you to this this, you know, this career changing event that, you know, that we're going to talk about, you know. So uh, I think that's that's really awesome. So. What, how did you, so you gave him a call. So you actually, this is something our generation doesn't really know. We had to, you had to like pick up the call, the phone and call someone. You couldn't tweet them or, or send him a text message. So what was his response when you gave him a call? Did he, did he call you right back or were you able to talk to him pretty quickly? Um, he basically, Phil basically gave me a canned response. What had happened was for the first time in the history of the National Education Association, they had an article in their magazine about physical education and, and they had a picture of Phil and um, uh, it had an email address so I had to figure out how to use email and, and get and get get, get any <laughs> an email uh, address and um, we started to go back and forth uh, by email once that initial call happened again he gave me a canned response he really was um, a very giving person but uh, at that particular time, he was being inundated with uh, email, and um, so I started to inundate him also and say, hey, you know, I, I really want to talk about what you're doing, and I would love to come and visit. In my school district, you know, in addition to being able to go to the state AFER convention, the superintendent gave me and, and one of my department, uh, fellow department members, the opportunity to go out to Naperville. And so, um, you know, I went out there and... and uh, in the spirit of paying it forward, so to speak, Phil spent the entire day with me. Uh, we um, we started at seven o'clock in the morning. I met him. He was he was doing intramurals. I met him at seven o'clock in the morning, and 
We met Paul Zintarski, his uh, high school uh, co uh, cohort, and um, Phil and I and uh, my fellow uh, department member, uh, we closed a restaurant at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, so I had, you know, it was a basically a, a 15 hour day almost uh, with us talking about his program. And, uh, and, and I guess what I remember the most about that first day meeting those guys is I remember talking to uh, Paul Zintarski and, and he asked me, what are you going to do when you go back to Titusville? And uh, my response was that I was going to talk to the, my principal and talk to my superintendent. And every response I gave him, he shook his head no. He just kept saying no. Everything I had, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. And finally, I just I gave up and said, what is it am I supposed to do? What He said, you need to go back and just start doing it. He said, you you, you, can ask, you can ask for forgiveness later. He said, I said well, it doesn't, doesn't work that way in Titusville. I have to do it a little bit differently. But I was just taken by how enthusiastic they were with their program. It was intimidating to see what they had in that day. But I knew that I could bring some of those ideas back on a smaller scale in a community like ours. I mean, they have more kids in their high school than we do in our whole community. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So um, it, it was just it just really made me excited about coming back to Titusville and trying to implement some of the things that they were doing. All right. So just to dive a little deeper into that, like what specifically, I mean, that you can remember right now, like what specifically did you see that was just like, wow, that's pretty cool. Wow. We need to try that. Wow. You know, let's give this a shot. Um, so I guess just give me a few specific things that you saw happening in Naperville that, that got you that excited. The first thing that comes to mind is the facilities. Uh, at, at the middle school or at the junior high where Phil was, um, they had a full-size gymnasium and then they had a separate um, uh, fitness center. And I had never seen a school with a fitness center before. And then they had huge outdoor facilities and they went outside all the time. They didn't worry about weather. They just, they just did what they needed to do outside. And then going to the high school, I was blown away by their facility. I mean, walking through with a competition gymnasium, a field house. The only field house I had ever seen was at the university level. I didn't, I didn't know a high school had an indoor track and tennis courts and things like that in, indoors. Uh, they had a full-size uh, um, pin-loaded weight machine room. They had uh, all sorts of free weights. Uh, they were using, uh, at, at the high school, they were using fitness assessment software. Uh, they had a full cardio room separate from the others. They had an Olympic-sized swimming pool with a diving well. They had a gymnastics area. They had a wrestling area with a gymnastics area. And then uh, they, had, they had a dance studio. And I saw all these facilities, and I thought, that, that I think that intimidated me more than anything. But I was taken with how... Everything was about fitness with them. It was all about physical fitness and trying to improve fitness levels. And they had been using heart rate monitors for a few years by then. And that tool, that technology tool, made me realize that that was something that we could do in our program. That we, we could use a heart rate monitor so that kids could understand what cardiovascular fitness was about. And not only what it was about, but what it took to get into the target heart zone, for example. Uh, how much effort they had to put forth. So that first day changed everything for us. All right. So you 
again, started teaching in Titusville. Uh, liked it there, got really comfortable. Went to a state conference and kind of started to open up your mind to this whole experience. Got to, you know, fly out to Naperville. I, I'm guessing you you flew out there, but uh, got to go to Naperville. Got to see everything, um, you know, that they have going on there, which just sounds, you know, amazing. Uh, so in your head, Tim, what's next? Like, what's the thought process as you're flying home, as you're, um, you know, leaving that space and, and, you know, going back to Titusville? What, what started out next, I, I did it unknowingly. I, I, it just was kind of a natural thing. I was so excited about what we had seen when we were out there that I talked to everybody that would listen to me, these poor people. Um, the day that we got back from Naperville, it just so happened that there was a football game that night. And prior to the football game, uh, the community, there was, there was uh, a community-wide spaghetti dinner at our, our new middle school. And I went to that spaghetti dinner and my wife, she ate by herself because I spent the entire time, I saw school board members and I told them what I saw and I, and, and I told my principals what I saw. And I, I talked to everybody, so I guess, what I would say without knowing it, I was becoming a strong advocate for what we thought we wanted to do with our program. So once you had that conversation with, with those individuals, um, you know, you started sh- sharing the uh, started sharing the story, uh, you know, about what you saw in Naperville. When did like what was kind of the, the implementation process, um, you know, there in, in Pennsylvania in your district? We had uh, we had just built a brand new middle school. And uh, we had a nice full-size gymnasium, which was much larger than the one that we had at the old building. And uh, we knew that we had some space, and we knew we wanted to um, put a fitness center in there. But before that, we had to meet as a staff and try to decide how are we going to change our philosophy? How are we going to, as a, as a department of... Um, we had, we had five high school uh, PE teachers, two middle school, and uh, two elementary at that time. Uh, that would be for grades one through five. And so what we came up, what we came up with was we wanted to do a, a few things. For example, we wanted to get away from the jock culture. Uh, we wanted to get away from who's the fastest, who's the strongest, who's the most athletic, and we wanted to start our kids onto lifelong fitness. So that was that was one thing we came up with as a department. We thought that it would be important that we offer our kids, our students, a variety in the program, a variety of fitness activities, sport, leisure, and adventure activities. It took us a long time to get to the adventure activities, but uh, that was one of the things at the beginning that we, we thought we wanted to do. And that, that in itself kind of evolved over the years uh, to the point where... Uh, it evolved into a core belief that our program should help students learn the skills to become physically active for a lifetime. Uh, we, we, just, we wanted to, at that, at that time, this was pretty new, but uh, states were beginning to put in standards for the different curricular areas. With, with uh, physical education in Pennsylvania was one of the last ones to come on board. So we knew we wanted to implement a K-12 standards-based curriculum, even though we didn't have kindergarten P at that time. Um, we wanted to provide a safe and encouraging learning environment. We wanted to incorporate technology. And um, 
I guess a couple other things we wanted to do would, would, would be that we wanted to try to um, develop fitness centers both in the middle school and high school. We had learned from Naperville, you'd think this would be a simple thing, but we had learned from Naperville the importance of using small-sided games in your program. I can remember in my first 15 years of my career or so that uh, it was not uncommon for me to, let, let's use soccer an example, and I had 40 kids in my class, it was not uncommon for me to have one ball and play 20 on 20, and then wonder why kids were standing around doing nothing. Um, it just took a while for that to get through my head and, and for everybody. And we got to the point where we developed a model for our, our, uh, our program, and our, our motto was every kid every day. We set that up as a goal, that we wanted to try to increase our physical edu education time and and again, we had to be we had to become a quality program. Uh, if you add more PE time and you're just a run-of-the-mill program, all you do is just add more lousy PE. But uh, you know, if you start to become a quality program and you start to add time, it, it really benefits the students. All right, uh, everybody who's listening has probably had these conversations about changing philosophy. You know, moving a thought process from one way to another. And I think everyone would almost agree with me is that's not usually an easy thing to come to a decision on. So what were those conversations like? How, how did you convince all of the all of those, you know, departments and uh, all of those people to kind of get on board with you? So how like how did that process all go down? Because I love just I love the thought that you guys had into it and what you're talking about and like those are amazing things. But I guess I just want to hear a little bit more about that discussion and like how uh, was everyone on board? Well, um, let's let's start with how we went about things. Uh, we talked with our staff first, as I said. I think we I think it, it, it adds up to like ten members. One, we did get a kindergarten uh, PE teacher, so we had, let's say we had ten people in our department and. Uh, some of the some of the conversations within our department were were great, and some of them were a little heated because we still had uh, one or two people that uh, let's put it this way: they did not want to get on the bus. They were very comfortable with what they were doing, and they did not want to make any changes what whatsoever. And and it was difficult to try to deal with uh, naysayers, so to speak. Um, but but we decided, even though that was happening, that as as a program, we were going to start that bus up and we were going to start driving that bus in the right direction. So so that was how it worked with uh, without with the members of our department. I had a conversation with the superintendent, and, and as you know, I said the superintendent was the one that made the call that we needed to change things. So he, at that time, uh, he he was very much on board with what we were doing. He he was looking forward to the changes. So. Um, that conversation was actually fairly easy. Um, as the department chair, I, be, I had to become the lead advocate for what we were doing. So I made sure that I talked to other principals, you know, all the way up through the elementary school principals. Uh, being in the middle school, I was pretty close to my principal, and, and, and that person changed over the years. So every time it, that, person, that job got a new person, it was my responsibility. Same with the new superintendent. It was my responsibility to educate them as to what we were doing. But at that time, it was just informing them of what we wanted to do. Um, so so I, I made sure that every chance I got within the school district that I talked about what we wanted to do. Uh, I went to school board meetings to, to uh, explain and ask uh, for permission to do things. Um, 
And then outside of the school, it kind of went from, uh, wait, let me, let me back up. I was told as we started this, I was told by the school board that if we promoted this correctly, they saw no reason that they could not get the community behind what we were doing to move this forward. So um, I guess one of the first things they did outside of the school was um, I began to, to talk to service organizations to explain to them what we were going to do, how, how we were going about go about doing it. Um, I talked to our local hospital and I went to the quarterly physicians meeting to explain to them because I, I was concerned that there would be uh, some some blowback as to uh, moving away from a sports-minded program, trying to find athletes for the athletic teams, and, and, and in particular the uses of technology. And so I got the uh, I got the backing of the physicians that uh, helped us immensely. Um, and then I began to um, know. I guess with the with the help of Naperville, as we started to move things along. Uh, we started to see not only the local print media and the local television stations interested in what we were doing, but we started to, to uh, notify um, other areas, and it became a national story eventually. But I know where you're going to go next. You have to go to how did you get the money to do this? It just <laughs> because that comes up every single time that we talk about how we developed our program is how did you get funding to do this? Um, so we can talk about that, or if you have some other things first, uh, I'll let you decide how you want to do this. Yeah, but right before we get into funding here, just a little bit, um, a couple of things. First of all, it's something that I've noticed about you is like you were going to take no for an answer. I, I think that's a key to. The, I think it's a key to this story is that you just didn't give up. Um, you were not going to let anything get in your way because you um, you saw something that could be really beneficial uh, to your students. So I think that's awesome. Now, can you tell me, like, you said you met some resistance. Was there a was there like a turning point in that resistance from those teachers, or did you just keep kind of battling through that? Because I think that's a key component to, to the story as well, because I think a lot of physical educators out there are, you know, run into that resistance sometimes. And, and you obviously, you moved past it. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Um. I would say that of the resistance that we met, we did our best to try to um, uh, take those people to see model physical education programs, to find different ways to, uh, to teach their students. Um, would I call it a complete success? No, I would not. But, but there were some things that changed, which, which made me happy as a department chair. I, I did see... Even though there was resistance to the, to the big picture, I saw little incremental changes in their teaching that, um, you know, they say it's tough to teach old dogs new tricks. Uh, but I did see some new tricks being used. And so uh, at, at, least, at least there were some things uh, that were done differently to, to move forward. But... Um, I would not say we were a complete success in trying to get those people to get on board with the rest of us. All right, everyone. Hey, that is a wrap for part one of Health and Physical Education Dynasties. Uh, 
this has just been an incredible part one here, being able to hang out with Tim McCord uh, and hear about how he just revamped his physical education program and it was an absolute game changer. Uh, and it you know made his way down to Naperville and put his name in the book Spark. So great story so far. Tune in next time for part two of this series. And thanks everyone for, for taking a listen. Take care.